Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. How are you? I know you're busy thinking about all the things you can do and eat before Lent, which begins on Wednesday. Is that right? No, I'm not right. (laughs) Um, But I tell you, I don't know about you, but for me uh, and the sisters, it's the most treasured time of the year. We love Christmas and Easter, but in Lent, we get to get rid of our sins and our habits and our failings and and strive uh, for the holiness that we wish and without which no one will see God. And it's a, I truly look forward to this time, to lessening food. In fact, we, we here in our community, we give up meat, which is not required the entire season. It's required on Ash Wednesday and every Friday of Lent for sure. But we just give up meat the entire, the entire Lent season. That, that's our choice. And we also give up anything that we use a lot, anything that we almost, it's kind of a staple, it's a pen, depending on it for food, because then it becomes a sacrifice. And uh, that we make personal sacrifices as well and personal penances and um, and we choose something to read, and the sisters submit it to their superior so she can approve it for them as as appropriate Lent reading for them. And um, it's a wonderful thing. Mom, Dad, you should do that with your children. Have them uh, choose a book and br- that they would like to read during, and make it their Lent and reading, to draw them closer to Christ, not a mystery story, not a, you know, not a science book or comics or anything, but truly a book age-appropriate for them that will speak about our Lord and the passion and uh, what, what his life means to us and how we can live for him. Even lives on the books of the saints would be good. <clears throat> So it's a wonderful thing to do and let each child uh, come to you with their Lenten penance in addition to reading a book, which, by the way, the saints suggest that we read cover to cover. It's better to want, read one book cover to cover than flip through ten different ones and, and pick out sections we like. One book and have the discipline to read it from beginning to end. Um, and then whatever we will give up, because we want both to cleanse our our bodies and our minds, our spirits, our souls. And so it could be dessert, it could be uh, whatever it is. Everyone is different that way. I may have mentioned one time that where I was working was about a staff of 40, and one woman gave up coffee for Lent. And uh, the next Lent, the whole staff went to her and said, you will not give up coffee this Lent. <laughs> We all suffered because she gave up coffee. So, um, but it's a, it's a really, it's a beautiful time. 
Um, so, and Jimmy Aiken, uh, my favorite apologist and probably the best apologist in the country, if not the world, he's uh, on staff with Catholic Answers and we worked together for nine years there, but Jimmy was there before me and he's still there. He's just, uh, he's outstanding. He's one of those um, photogenic, I guess, or uh, I'm not sure if I've got the right word, encyclopedic minds. He just has it all in there. And his understanding is so deep because he, when he writes, when he speaks, when he explains the faith on Catholic Answers Live through um, Catholic Answers Magazine, uh, to people who call in, to articles he writes, it's so simple. And only one who is brilliant can write things simply. If Because... A lot of people can do a lot of research. If they don't really understand the topic, their article is going to be very, very complicated. But when someone understands it, it could be very simple. And and so Jimmy's writings are trustworthy and simple, and I, uh, he's tremendous. And he wrote some years ago, just a few years ago, nine things you know to about you need to know about Lent. And so um, first he says, "What is Lent?" And he says, "Lent." And now he has references of the universal norms according to the general Roman calendar and the encyclopedia. He's got references for all of these things. So I won't take time uh, stating all the references. But he says, what is Lent? Lent is a liturgical season that is ordered to preparing for the celebration of Easter since the Lenten liturgy prepares for celebration of the Paschal mystery both catechumens, catechumens by the various stages of Christian initiation and the faithful who recall their own baptism and do penance. Secondly, now these are nine things. Secondly, Jimmy says, where does the word Lent come from? And he quotes the Catholic Encyclopedia, the Teutonic word Lent, which we employ to denote the 40 days Fasting preceding the 40 days fasting preceding Easter originally meant no more than the spring season. Still, it has been used from the Anglo Saxon period to translate the more significant Latin term quadragesima, which um, he says in, in uh, French is carême, uh, Italian quaresima, Spanish uh, quaresma meaning the 40 days, or more literally, the 40th day. This, in turn, imitated the Greek name for Lent, which I can pronounce. Let's see. Um, Tessara Costa, 40th, a word formed on the analogy of Pentecost, Pentecoste, which last was used for the Jewish festival before New Testament times. You see, Pentecost is a Jewish holiday, Okay, when does Lent begin and end? Um, The 40 days of Lent run from Ash Wednesday up to but excluding the Mass of the Lord's Supper. Um, And so the the Mass of the Lord's Supper, of course, is Holy Thursday, which begins the triduum, triduum, tridium, three days, um, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. So... The 40 days of Lent run from, run from Ash Wednesday up to, but not including, the Mass of the Lord's Supper. And so Lent is over uh, preceding Holy Thursday. 
This means that Lent begins at 12.01 a.m. on Ash Wednesday, this Wednesday, beloved, midnight, one minute past midnight. Lent begins with Ash Wednesday and runs to just before the Mass of the Lord's Supper on the evening of Holy Thursday. As soon as the Mass of the Lord's Supper starts, it's a new liturgical season, and those are the three days we call the Triduum. Is Lent for, number four, is Lent actually 40 days long as currently celebrated? No, it's not. It probably drives a few of us mad because we keep counting. It's not 40 days. And Jimmy says it's actually a little longer than 40 days. The number is approximate for spiritual purposes. Um, And there are times it can be shorter, uh, whether we count Sundays or not, um, but it is... um, uh, it's, it's just about 40 days, and each year is a little different. Are the Sundays in Lent part of Lent? Yes, they are, um, because Lent runs from Ash Wednesday to Holy Thursday, and no exceptions are made for Sundays. Sundays is still a part of Lent. The Sundays of this time of year are called the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth Sundays of Lent. The sixth Sunday on which Holy Week begins is called Palm Sunday of the Passion of the Lord. And so Jimmy says, why is the number 40 significant? And Pope Bennett, well now, the Sundays in Lent are part of Lent, but um, now this is a little confusing, isn't it? Because we're excused from the sacrifices on Sunday because it's the day of resurrection. And so if we're fasting, if we're giving up meat, whatever, Sundays are free of that. They're within the period of Lent, but we it, it's still the day of resurrection, and we're free of the sacrifice on Sunday. Why is the number 40, number six, why is the number 40 significant? And this is a quote from Pope Emeritus Benedict, who says, Lent recalls the 40 days of our Lord's fasting in the desert, which he undertook before entering into his public ministry. We read in the gospel that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. Like Moses, who fasted before receiving the tablets of the law in Exodus, and Elijah's fast before meeting the Lord, the Lord on Mount Horeb, First uh, Kings. Jesus, too, through prayer and fasting, prepared himself for the mission that lay before him, marked at the start by a serious battle with the tempter. Number seven, we're going through these quickly. What are the rules for fasting in Lent? Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are days of fast. The law of fast binds those who are from 18, oh, I thought it was 14, maybe it's now 18 to 59 years old, unless they are excused for a sufficient reason, such as a medical condition that requires more frequent food. Beloved, there's the music for our first break, dear ones. We're going to come back right after the break, and we're going to finish up to number nine, and then after the second break, we'll take your calls and your emails Uh, your text, and our toll-free number, if you'd like to get ready, is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Back in a minute. 
This is Father Yatsuk Mazur. Please join me in a prayer honoring St. Ignatius of Antioch. Almighty God, we praise you for your bishop and martyr, St. Ignatius, who offered himself as grain to be ground by the teeth of wild beasts, that he might present to you the pure bread of sacrifice. Accept the rule of our lives, and give us a share in the pure and spotless offering of your Son, Jesus Christ, who forever and ever. Amen. Love learning more about the Church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails, and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our Church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Would you like to view our programming grid, which includes our full weekly lineup? You can find it on both our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio mobile app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um... And we are, uh, we are reading through Jimmy Aiken's Nine Things to Know About uh, Lent. And we're on number seven, because we start Lent this Wednesday. <laughs> it's Ash Wednesday. So Jimmy says, what are the rules for fasting in Lent? And he says, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are the days of fast. The law of fast binds those who are from 18 to 59 years old, unless they are excused for a sufficient reason, such as a medical condition that requires more frequent food. According to the church's official rules, um, Jimmy says, uh, and he puts in parentheses as opposed to someone's personal summary of them, this is straight from the Apostolic Constitution, um, the laws of fasting allows only one full meal a day, but does not prohibit taking some food in the morning and evening, observing, as far as quantity and quality are concerned, approved local custom. So I, I, I know what Jimmy has in mind, that people say one feel, full meal and two snacks that don't equal a meal, but but that's not the law of the land in the, in this country. And so, you know, the idea is 
one full meal a day, and if you need something in the morning or later in the day, then, then you take it. The system of mitigated fasting that is required by law thus allows for one full meal and some food in the morning and evening. The church's official document governing the practice of fasting does not encourage scrupulous calculations about how much the two instances of some food add up to, though obviously each individually is less than a full meal since only one of those is allowed. Okay. Number eight, what are the rules for abstinence in Lent? And abstinence uh, always means abstinence from meat. Um, Ash Wednesday and all Fridays of Lent are days of abstinence, as well as Good Friday. An exception is if a solemnity falls on a Friday, but no solemnities fall on Fridays, well, at least in the uh, year Jimmy wrote this, um, which was 2015, so all Fridays are days of abstinence. But again, if a solemnity falls... Um, then uh, you're excused from abstinence the same way Sundays uh, are solemnities. The law of abstinence binds those who are 14 years or older. So those who are 14 years or older must abstain from meat on Ash Wednesday and the Fridays of Lent, but they don't need to fast until they're 18. According to the church's official rules, the law of abstinence forbids the use of meat, but not of eggs, the products of milk or condiments made of animal fat. Okay, so one can um, one can eliminate those if you you're free to uh, fast for as much food as you want, but the church does not require it. So. Uh, no condemnation and no judgment of anyone else. The law of abstinence forbids the use of meat, but not of eggs, the products of milk, which would be cheese and butter or condiments, anything made of animal fat. And finally, number nine, do you have to give up something for Lent? <laughs> if you do, uh, can you have it on Sundays? And Jimmy says, the traditional custom of giving up something for Lent is voluntary. Consequently, if you give something up, you set you set the parameters. If you choose to allow yourself to have it on Sundays as to promote joy on this holy day, that's up to you, you see. So I tell you what, the church has given us much, much freedom. Um, and as I have to agree with someone I heard week, uh, recently that um, kind of the, um, the evolution, so to speak, of the lessening of penances, the lessening of customs during these holy times has really weakened us as Christians. Truly, truly, it used to be much more serious times of, of penance. And I'm not a masochist, but it's a wonderful thing to truly know, because this, what I've just read, it's it's hardly anything. It's hardly anything. I mean, I I know if someone gives up coffee for Lent or chocolate for Lent or something they, they really love, they're going to focus on it all Lent and they're going to be miserable. It's not the idea. But um, we need to, Apostle Paul says, beat ourselves, our flesh, into subjection rather than lose the race. We need... Uh, we need to have control. There's nothing wrong with our liking chocolate or coffee or whatever it is. Um, as long as we control it, 
and it doesn't control us. See, that's, I think that's the determining factor in many cases. If we think we're going to have a real hard time doing without something, I think that's the something we should do without because we need to, uh, we need to practice detachment in our Christian lives. We can't have anything own us. If you're a millionaire and the money doesn't own you, this is a terrific thing. God has made you rich to give to the poor to help his kingdom. But you could, you could be poor and the money you have can own you instead of your owning it. Uh, the things in your house, do they own you? In other words, uh, this is a wonderful time to begin to become detached. I think they say 21 days um, forms a habit. Well, we have 40 days. And so, um, you know, we, we all have either certain habits or certain things we get used to or look forward to. And so I don't look forward to abandoning those things, but I do look forward to their not having the effect on my life that they have. You know, if I have uh, cheese every morning, every morning of my life I have cheese. And uh, uh, we're giving up cheese because we eat a lot of it. And so we're giving it up. I love cheese. I'd, I'd rather give up chocolate than cheese. But we're giving up cheese not to torture ourselves, but because we need to be detached. And the more detached we are, the more appreciative we could be of the gifts God gives us. And it's not something we need. Um, so it's, it's a wonderful thing, beloved. So between now and two days from now, your whole family should get together and pray, decide. You can even tell each other what you're giving up so that there's a certain amount of accountability there, not spying, but just accountability. If I, if I don't tell anyone what I'm giving up, and let's say I'm going to give up cheese, but I don't tell anybody, then I have cheese and nobody knows. But if I tell them, uh, then I, I pre- probably won't sneak it, you know. Um, it, it's a good thing to be accountable. That's why marriage is so wonderful. I know it entails a lot of suffering. I know. But you see, then, then there's an accountability and we grow as iron sharpens iron. That's why it's it's wonderful to be in a religious community because iron sharpens iron and we have each other to uphold and to encourage and to pick up when we fall. It's a wonderful thing, beloved. So on our end, we've talked about Lent. We've chosen our books for Lent. We've chosen the things we're going to give up. And there are personal items that um, we may not have told anyone, but if somebody wants to get up at midnight and be before the Blessed Sacrament, they need the approval of their superior just because she needs to decide what state their health is in and all of that. But it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So we're looking forward to it. And I hope you are too. I hope you will encourage one another. And certainly we'll speak a little bit more about Ash Wednesday tomorrow, the day before Ash Wednesday, uh, which many people call Fat Tuesday. Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday, otherwise Shrove Tuesday, where where many people just... You know, um, what's the word for it? Um, it becomes a gluttonous day. And, and it's not what it's intended, beloved, before the fast that we get sick on food. It's not intended. The intention is to prepare for Lent. Yes, you could have some things that you're going to give up for Lent, 
but the intention, beloved, is is to um, get rid of those things so that you can help prepare yourself for a holy Lent. It's a wonderful thing. So I hope you'll be prepared for Lent, and I hope you'll try to get the opportunity to go to Mass early, even before work, if you can, so that you could have the witness of the cross of ashes on your forehead. Um, and so you can, people could, I know someone looked at me at one one time in the past, they said, you've got dirt on your forehead. I said, I know. <laughs> I know it's purposely. Um, from dust we came to dust we will return. And it reminds us of our sin. It's a sign of penance. And um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's a, I wish every Catholic walked around the world with ashes. It would be just terrific, I think. So go to church early and go to work with ashes on your, on your head, especially if you're the president of a company. Think of what, what the witness will be. It'd be so wonderful for you to do that. It's not a holy day of obligation at all. If you don't go to church and you don't get ashes tomorrow, there's no penalty for that. There's no sin in that. It's absolutely not. In fact, I think it happens that more people are in church on Ash Wednesday than any other day of the year, including non-Catholics. They just want to get ashes. I remember Father Groeschel telling a story about a Jewish woman in the Bronx, and he was giving out ashes, and she came for ashes, and he looked at her, and he said, but you're Jewish. She said, I know. I figured it couldn't hurt. You know, <laughs> So funny, so funny. But I wouldn't stop anybody from getting ashes. It's quite all right, but it's not an obligation. It's not a holy day. Uh, but it's a beautiful day. It is a day of fast and abstinence. And if you refrain from abstinence, in other words, if you eat meat and if you don't fast, uh, that is sin because that is, uh, you're not required to go to church to go to Mass, but you are required, if you're Catholic, to fast and to abstain from meat unless you uh, are outside of the required ages and or you you have a serious medical condition. Um, if you don't observe it and you're Catholic, then you should go to confession because you need to do that. That's required. And someone says, well, I'm not letting... The church is not going to tell me what to do. Well, it does because mothers tell us what to do and we're children and the church is our mother. Do we have to listen? We do. Well, what if we don't? Well, then it's sin. Well, I want to do what I want. Well, that's fine. But then you put yourself under the wrath of God. You do. And so um, it's a good thing to listen to your mother. She's beautiful, and um, the head of the church is the Lord of the universe who gave himself for you out of love for sinners. So there's our break, beloved. And we shall be back and take any of your calls uh, toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We'll be right back.
Users of iCatholic Radio are leaving inspiring reviews in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Margie says, My go-to app. I love this channel. I can listen while busy around the house or driving in the car. I love the variety of programs. Keep up the good work. Michaela from New Zealand says, I love this app. I have it on Bluetooth in my car radio and listen to it all day, every day, and am encouraged in my Catholic faith. I would recommend this to the world, whether Christian or not, because it speaks to all people to become better people. I am now a huge follower of the American Catholic way of life because it's very similar to the way I was brought up in Fiji. The priests on the station are very straightforward, but are very understanding toward the audience at the same time. Love it, love it, love it. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our page at the iTunes or Google Play Store. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she, and I am thrilled to be with you. And I'm going to be taking your calls and emails and texts with anything that's on your heart. Our rule is that there are no rules, so you never have to call with anything. You need to call with a question of some kind, but not with, um, not doesn't have to relate to what we are speaking about, the the matter of the heart is the, the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. We have a call uh, from Jean in Massachusetts. Hi, Jean. Good morning, Mother. It's always a pleasure to hear your voice and to speak with you. Thanks, I Jean. A, I, I, had a, I had a concern I, you, you, because you're looking for a, a diocese to take yes. you in. I, I was wondering, have you ever looked into the a diocese of uh, Boston, uh, you know, in Boston? Well, I have not per- personally, Jean, but I know some people who have contacted the diocese on our behalf because they wanted us to come there. But I've never had personal contact. Okay, listen, this is what happened. I uh, also called and, you know, finally reached someone, and what they told me was that you, as an order, the, your order, would have to apply yourself. Oh, well, there's no question about that. There's no question. I understand that. 
Okay, so, right. no, I have not di- directly, that would be Cardinal O'Malley, right? I've never yes, written yes. to him. No, I have not. I'm okay. not opposed to that at all, but I've not written yeah. him. I would be very oh, happy to be in Boston. Oh, my God. I would. That would be like an answer to prayer. I, I'm, mm. I'm just praying. I'm praying and asking God to answer this prayer that I have. Mm-hmm. And asking, well, and it's because it's his will, it's not mine. I can't, you know. It is, dear Jean. We have deal. a situation yeah. pending now that um, th- there's no way for us to know which way it's going. So I've held okay. back on um, contacting other dioceses until we know this for certain. But um, I'd be very happy to contact Cardinal O'Malley. That would be just fine. Jean, a question. Oh, I have a. I have an email from a Jean uh, concerning the Sacred Heart Church. Are you the same Jean? Did you send me an email concerning the Sacred Heart Church? No, I don't believe I did. Okay, then it's a different Jean. Okay, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure. I would answer it while we're on the phone then. Okay. All right, dear Jean. I'll keep that in mind. If this, what's pending for us, does not come through... Um, then uh, I'd be happy to contact Cardinal O'Malley. Uh, I, I just want to add one thing. I'm not. This is not a uh, a prophecy or anything, but uh, I I almost entered the convent when I was a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I would love it if you were closer, because now that I'm a widow, I I'm I'm thinking I would love to join your order. I I believe that it's something that's in my heart that I that God mm-hmm. is trying to talk to me about i mean I, okay. i'm not even sure but but that would be awesome well it's mean, a wonderful awesome. desire gene it's an absolute wonderful desire and we have no age limit yeah. from 18 to 118 is what i always say so <laughs> it's it's quite all right um and you know if if whether or not that ever comes to be uh you might know that we began the third order of mary's oblates uh, Benedictine yeah. Oblates of the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. And if anyone's interested in that, to find out more, you can go on our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org, and we have a little tab now for Mary's Oblates, so you can open that up and, and see the letters we have. Um, okay, thank you very much. Y- you're thank welcome, you sweetheart. That's, that's, good, that's good information. Thank you. Okay, Jean. Thanks for calling, and sweetheart. I, you too. I, oh, you're so welcome. God bless you. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. Now I'm going to take the email from Jean who says, I frequently listen to your program while driving in my car, and this morning, now this I think is at least sometimes le- sometime last week, um, as I listened, I heard something said, which I believe should be clarified to listeners. Um, so listeners do not get the wrong impression. I've always thought the, that the advice you give is in line with the authentic teachings of the Roman Catholic Church in union with the Pope, the Vicar of Christ. Well, I hope so. <laughs> so I thought I should bring this misinformation to your attention. She says, during your program, which was broadcast February 21st, there was a call from someone named Joanne. I did not hear that call, but I did hear a follow-up call from someone else, whose name she forgot, who said that she was calling to let Joanne know about Sacred Heart Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts, which she said is a traditional Roman Catholic church. I think I recall that. Excuse me. This caller described in detail all the wonderful things going on in the parish. If my memory is correct... 
both the caller and you recommended that Joanne make an effort to attend that church. Of course, I don't know that church, but I was very happy for that call. And then Joanne's, um, Joanne, uh, rather, Jean says, Unfortunately, Mother, Sacred Heart Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts, is not a church in union with the Roman Catholic Church under the leadership of the Pope. Joanne, dear, if you're listening to this, Jean is rescuing us. She said that parish, Sacred Heart Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts, is not in union with the Roman Catholic Church under the leadership of our Pope. The church building is one that was purchased from the Archdiocese of Boston after it was closed. It is no longer part of the Archdiocese. As a faithful Catholic, I certainly support those who prefer the Latin Mass, and I do believe the faithful should be provided with opportunities to attend regularly, but it should be done with the permission and oversight of the Archbishop of the Diocese or Bishop of the Diocese in which the church is located. Absolutely, 100%. This is not the case with Sacred Heart Church in Lawrence. I'm so sorry to hear that. You find a gorgeous church that's Latin Mass, and then you find that it's outside the church. And... um, Um, Jean says there are other parishes within the Archdiocese of Boston that legitimately celebrate Latin Masses on a regular, if not weekly, basis. Um, And then she gives a link to Sacred Heart Church in Lawrence. So I I looked up the link, and um, it's a beautiful church that they're trying to restore. But um, if it's not in union with the church, she didn't tell me why, and I took a quick look on the website and uh, I didn't see why it could be uh, some churches are part of the SSPX, the Society of St. Pius X, uh, which is not in communion with the church, or it could be St. Pius V. I don't know what this is, but Jean, thank you for your help on that. We have an email from someone who writes it anonymously. Mother, I'm a music director of a local Novus Ordo parish. I select traditional hymns and am very conscious of reverence during Mass. The congregation is positive toward me, but I'm going to begin singing the Latin Mass parts during Lent, the Sanctus, Mortem Tuum, etc. I will be speaking to the parish this weekend to let them know about this, and I wondered if you have any advice as to what I should say to open their hearts to try this. I know that many will not like the sound of it, and I want them to know that I understand that, but that I want them to try to learn it. Any advice? Well, I would say that the best thing that could happen is not for you to speak to the parish and introduce it, but for your priest to do that. That would be the best thing. And for the priest, to t- and if, you, if it has to be you, fine, but much better to be the priest, to tell the parish that is the Vatican II Mass. What the Novus Ordo Church is doing today, for the most part, is not the Mass that came from Vatican, Vatican II. It has been downgraded and degraded and, and lost reverence and all of that. What came from Vatican II is a Mass where the parts were always sung, Sanctus, the Agnus Dei, were, and the Gloria were sung in Latin. And so you could tell them you're going back to Vatican II to do the Mass that Pope Paul VI has given us. And um, again, it would be best if your priest can do that. And if not, you could get booklets that are 
um, rather than huge missiles or Lumen Christi, that sort of thing, you could get actual little booklets of the Vatican II Mass, and they have the entire Mass, Novus Ordo, but with the Latin parts, Latin and English both. So that might be helpful. And if you can gather a group in the church to rehearse with them beforehand, then they could be singing and leading the congregation, and it'll add support. So that's a thought that I have. Uh, We have a text from Brenda who says, I know someone who is convinced that there is no God. My goodness. (laughs) I know someone who is convinced that there is no God. I pray for her conversion all the time, but she is an otherwise good and generous person who lives her life by the golden rule. My question is, can someone who is an atheist still go to heaven? Someone who's an atheist can go to heaven, but they won't go to heaven as an atheist. We can say that. Someone who's an atheist needs to convert. Atheists will not be in heaven. Um, The Catechism teaches that those who through no fault of their own do not know the truths of the Catholic Church, but yet live up to the light that God and the grace God has given them, not will be saved, but can be saved. Now, if someone lives up and God says his grace reigns on the, the, um, the righteous and the unrighteous, and if someone denies the existence of God, they're not living up to the grace God has given them. Um, I don't know, Brenda, if it's your statement or your friend's statement that she lives her life by the golden rule, I would ask her, what is the golden rule? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Where did that come from? I'd ask her. And why is it a golden rule? Who cares if there's no God? Why do I need to keep that one? See what I mean? And the fact is that nobody is good and nobody will go to heaven because they're good and generous because one sin is enough to separate us from God for all eternity. So absolutely not. If if she's, um, uh, I don't know what her th- assessment of herself is, but... Um, um, there are good books out um, that you might want to give her if you're a friend. And I, oh, I, I, I just can't think of the name of them right now. One is by Patrick Coffin. Um, if you go to catholic.com and look at their shop, Catholic Answers Shop, and look for a book on atheists, there are a couple of very good ones. I'm so sorry I can't think of the titles right now, but they're very good. And you might give them, you might even read them so you can speak with your friend or give them to her and say, um, my birthday's coming up. I would love you to give me the gift of reading this book for my birthday, right? So maybe, maybe if she's a friend, she'll do that. We have a text from Mario in California who says, Good morning, Mother Miriam. Thank you for your ministry. I have a question, and that is, I've heard some traditional Catholics that reject the divine mercy devotion because they said it is illegitimate. Your thoughts. Thank you, Mother. Well, it's not illegitimate. They don't know what they're speaking about. Um, uh, the, uh, the book, The Diary of St. Faustina, And the divine mercy that our Lord has given her to spread to the whole world is from our Lord and has been approved by the church. And so if there are so-called traditional Catholics who think it's illegitimate, 
then they too are outside the church because it has been approved by the church and no Catholic is holier than the church. Um, I wouldn't call that traditional at all. I would call that uh, some kind of independent Catholic that makes their own decisions. But it's very, very easy. It it wasn't approved for a long time, but it's 100% approved now. Our Lord spoke to St. Faustina. He asked her to have Divine Mercy Sunday, the Sunday that follows Easter, uh, initiated. He wants the world to know that mercy is his greatest attribute. And uh, yes, the Divine Mercy uh, devotion is from our Lord through St. Faustina. So God bless you, Mario. And there's the music for our break, beloved. We'll be right back uh, for your calls, your texts, and your emails right after the break. Call in toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community, connect with us through social media, and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have a good 10 minutes, so I'm thrilled. If you want to call in, there's still time. 
uh, 1-877-511-5483. And we're going to take a text from David who says, Mother, could you please repeat the name of the Catholic Free Document website? Thank you and God's blessings, David. Yes, I, yes, David. It is, um, tra- one word here, traditional Catholic dot co, not com, but co forward slash free hyphen Catholic books. Uh, okay, I'll repeat that. Traditional Catholic dot co forward slash free hyphen Catholic books as one word. It's just too good to be true, that site. It's fantastic. We have an email from Sherry who says, Dear Mother Miriam, I am another Jewish girl who has become Catholic. Yay, Sherry. Oh, how nice. I don't know if you're listening, but mazel tov, mazel tov. Good to have you, my dear Lonsman. She says, Actually, I'm a woman of 71. Sometimes when I'm in church or look around, the people and the things around look strange. I understand. I understand, Sherry. I feel so different because of my Jewish upbringing, and I feel alone. You know, that's an interesting thing. I fully understand what you're saying. And yet, I will tell you, the first time from my Jewish background I ever entered a Catholic church was to stop my brother from becoming Catholic. Um, Thanks to God, I failed in stopping him. But I went into a church, and when we walked out, I was shocked out of my mind. I said, David... That's my brother's name, David. That's a synagogue with Christ. And he got all excited. He said, Roz, Rosalind Moss, my given name. He said, Roz, that's right. It is a synagogue with Christ. I mean, the liturgy, uh, just everything. I, I, the prayers, if you've, if, now I don't know what, what parish you've gone to, if it's Novus Ordo, uh, even if it's Latin, uh, you you understand the words, blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe. But that's the prayer we say in Shabbos, Baruch HaTorah Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe. It's the same. I said to my brother, where did they, what are they doing with our prayers? I couldn't believe it. it oh, I was sick to my stomach at that. And now I'm there. So, So I understand you, but... Um, it's it's a beautiful thing, Sherry. And when you look at the tabernacle, if you have frequented a synagogue, you know that the Torah, the the Word of God, is always be in the tabernacle, covered with a veil, and there's always a light burning outside that tabernacle to show that the Word of God is there. And that's where the Catholic Church gets the tabernacle with the living word and always a light on to show that he's there. It's straight from the synagogue. Christianity is Jewish. It's a Jewish religion, but I know it doesn't look so Jewish anymore. She says, what can you suggest? I tried to, uh, what can you suggest? I read to make me feel more comfortable as a former Jew in my Catholic surroundings. You're not a former Jew. You are a Jew who has come fully to believe in the Jewish Messiah as a Catholic. A Catholic is the most fulfilled Jew there could be on earth. I would love, she said, to meet and talk with you. Is there any chance you will be in Southern California in the near future? Oh, there is a chance, of course, dear Sherry, but at the moment I don't have plans to be. Um, But you know, if you have not read... Um, there's a, two websites I'm going to refer you to. One is uh, the one my brother heads, my brother David Moss, which is the Association of Hebrew Catholics 
And on the it, their address is Hebrew Catholic singular Hebrew Catholic dot net, and you could go on that website and there a whole bunch of links with all kinds of stories, a news a fabulous newsletter which is put out several times a year. There's also a link on um, a Catholic uh, uh, Hebrew Catholic conversions and uh, all kinds of Jews who have entered the church. Um, and um, there is a book. Uh, the other website is Salvation is from the Jews. That's our Lord's words. Salvation is from the Jews dot com. And that's run by Roy Shoman, who had been an Orthodox Jew and, of course, is now Catholic. And he's written two books. The first is Salvation is from the Jews. Number one. The second one he put together and edited. It's called Honey from the Rock. And it's 16 Jews who entered the Catholic Church. And of course, they entered not believing it's the rejection of Judaism, but indeed its fulfillment. My own story and Roy's and my brother's stories are in that book. So I hope I hope that helps you, dear Sherry. Um, those are two good books to read, Salvation is from the Jews and Honey from the Rock. And you know, uh, the Association of Hebrew Catholics has Havarot, that's the pr- plural for Havara, and that's a little family group. They have little groups. That's how Israel was built on little groups, little fellowship groups. And um, and there's little Havarot all over the country. And so you could give the Association of Hebrew Catholics their headquarters are in St. Louis and give them a call, and there might be uh, Havara somewhere near you in California. And if so, you could go to the meeting. That would be really fantastic. And these, the people at the meeting, they don't have to be Jewish Catholics, um, but they have the the mission of of uh, the Hebrew Catholics in mind and know that it's the roots of our faith. So they will love you, and you'll probably uh, connect with Catholics of Jewish origin like yourself. So, dear Sherry, I hope that helps you. Uh, and if not, give a call and talk to my brother. He would love to speak with you in St. Louis. The Association of Hebrew Catholics, their email and number is on their website. Uh, we have a text from Barbara. Can a lay person in the role of pastoral administrator or pastoral associate take on any special role in the liturgy? Well, I don't know what role you mean, uh, what role you're thinking of, Someone who's a pastoral administrator or pastoral associate has no particular qualification to to have part in the liturgy, as far as I know. Um, and, of course, if it was the Latin Mass, the answer would be absolutely not. If it's the Novus Ordo, the only role that is there for lay people, really, is to, uh, as a lector, to read Scripture. Um, you shouldn't be an altar server, um, I guess you can be, you can be an altar server, uh, because almost anybody can be these days in the Novus Order. So I guess you could be a Eucharistic minister or extraordinary minister of the Eucharist. You can be an altar server if it's allowed. Uh, you can be a lector. So those parts are open to law, all lay people in the Novus Ordo, and they would be open to. Um, uh, anyone with the title of pastoral administrator or pastoral associate who wouldn't be any more qualified to um, serve in the liturgy than anyone else. 
Um, and again, I wish no lay people would serve at all in the liturgy. Um, we have an email from Sam. Um, oh, Sam, um, any sacrament would be annulled. Um, we are just 30 seconds from the ending music. Let me see if I could read this quickly, Sam. Uh, He says, I was confirmed as a teenager and did not really believe in God at the time. I did not want the sacrament, but only participated because my parents wanted it. Oh, I wish that wouldn't be the case. I am a faithful Catholic now, blessed be God. But I was wondering if my sacrament of confirmation could be annulled the same way a marriage could be annulled. I'm guessing, Sam, that you would want it to be annulled so that you could have a real, now that you're a faithful Catholic, that you could really be confirmed with faith. Uh, But no, but no, because that's a sacrament God conferred, the Holy Spirit conferred on you, and that can't be annulled. If that was a valid confirmation, nothing could make it invalid. The process of marriage only determines whether it was valid from the beginning. If it was, nothing can separate it. And if you're back to the Catholic faith now, Sam, I wouldn't doubt that that confirmation, those graces, had an effect on you. God bless you, dear brother. Um, We'll speak with all of you tomorrow.